Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 106 of Cotton Grower Magazine's Cotton Companion Podcast. Fall has pretty much arrived all across the cotton belt, and, and that means long days and some sometimes long nights in the field getting this year's crop in. Rain's been pretty minimal for the past week, and, uh, and knock on wood, it's going to stay that way for a few more. And oh yeah, as we record this, cotton's still over a dollar. I'm Jim Stedman, Senior Editor of Cotton Grower, and as always, I'm joined by Cotton Grower Editor Frank Giles. Frank, what's going on? Oh, not too much. Just digging out from uh, being out of the office here for a week. I think you'll you'll mention that here in a minute. So going through emails and uh, and in a lot of meetings here in the next couple of days. So it's just uh, it's that time of year to get caught up and get ahead, hopefully. I think that's one of the uh, one of the the advantages and with that comes with disadvantages of uh, of the quarantine and, and the lockdown is people have discovered that you can actually participate in meetings at almost any time of the day. Very much so. And and we're happy to do it because I think it, it's really helped out a great deal uh, in this. But man, sometimes it just gets to be uh, a little too much. But, you know, hey, that's that's part of the beast, I guess. There you go. <laughs> well, well, since we joined, uh, joined everybody last, Frank and I had a chance to get face-to-face for the first time in about 18 months last week as we uh, joined forces in Moultrie, Georgia the presentation of our 2020 Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award at a special luncheon that we held in conjunction with the Sunbelt Ag Expo. We had great weather. We had a good turnout for the luncheon. Uh, We had several industry dignitaries on hand. We got a timely cotton market overview from our friend, Dr. Don Shirley of the University of Georgia. And we'll get into more details about the day and, and what Don had to say in just a few minutes. But first, let's take a quick look at what's news in the cotton industry. Yeah, Jim, all cotton producing states showed significant increases in field activity in the past week, according to the USDA Crop Progress Report for the week ending on October 24th. Currently, 35% of the cotton crop has been harvested, up seven percentage points from last week, but still behind the five-year average for that date. Arkansas, California, Missouri, and Tennessee all showed double-digit increases with three states, Arizona, California, and Texas, running ahead of their individual five-year average. Open bowls are now reported in 91% of the crop with eight states at or above their respective five-year average. Uh, Crop condition remains steady with 64% of the crop rated good to excellent, 30% rated fair, and 6% rated poor or very poor. Corteva AgriScience is beginning a new series of free webinars about the Enlist Weed Control System to help growers and applicators better prepare for the 2022 growing season. These step ahead webinars will provide guidance on subjects ranging from nozzle selection to tank mix recommendations to neighbor friendly characteristics of the Enlist herbicides. Six webinars targeted, targeted applicators will be offered once monthly beginning November 9th, running through March 29th, 2022. Three additional special sessions scheduled for October 28th, November 29th, and February 24th, 2022, will compare the advantages of the Enlist system with other popular in-crop weed management systems. CU credits will be awarded to qualifying participants after completion of the applicator training sessions. 
meeting dates and times, registration and other information about the webinars and, and the three special sessions is available online. You can find the link at the registration site as well as the dates and times for each session in our article about the web webinars on cottongrower.com. All right, well, thanks, Frank. Uh, and as you mentioned, I'm, I'm sort of like you, I'm still digging out from our, our trip to Moultrie last week, but, uh, but to be honest with you, I don't think our little event could have gone, uh, gone any smoother or much better than it did. What do you think? Yeah, I thought it was really nice. It was great to uh, uh, honor Ronnie Lee there, uh, our Achievement Award winner. And, you know, everybody's getting really busy this time, Ronnie and his family especially, but it was, it was you know, really nice to see them gather and, and honor him. Uh, it was just an all-around great event, I thought. Yeah, I did, I did too. Ronnie's an Ronnie's a, a interesting individual, and, and quite honestly, when you look at everything he's involved in, I don't know when he has time to rest uh, at this point. But, uh, but uh, he made a few comments during the, uh, during the presentation that uh, – I, you know, Ronnie, Ronnie's one of these guys that sometimes he he can always find the right words to uh, to say, and sometimes it's it's difficult to uh, you know to for anybody else to get a word in edgewise. But uh, but I really thought we kind of he got a little speechless at times, which uh, which is is interesting and uh, and showed a totally different side of Ronnie uh, to us. I'm sure a side that his family has seen. From time to time, but uh, it was uh, much appreciated. We were happy to have him there. Happy to be able to honor him uh, after all after the the time this year, and uh, and of course, as you said, not only were Ronnie's family there, but we also had several folks from across the cotton industry, particularly there in that mid in that southeast area, uh, were there. Kent Fountain, uh, who's a uh, the current chairman of the National Cotton Council. And a good friend of Ronnie's was there, as was Jim Davis, who's the National Cotton Council member services rep for that southeast area. Uh, David Ruppenicker, who is uh, CEO of Southern Cotton Growers, and Taylor Sills, executive director of the Georgia Cotton Commission, were both in attendance. And Emily Weinzek, uh, who's director of operations for the Cotton Board, uh, also joined us as Ronnie was also has been active on the Cotton Board for a number of years. So it was, uh, it was great to see those folks uh, take time out of their busy schedules to join us as well. And of course, we need to recognize uh, NextGen for their sponsorship of the Cotton Achievement Award. We certainly appreciate it. And uh, uh, it's, it's a great recognition for, uh, for, for this program and for other folks uh, who, uh, who are interested or who will be part of this program over the next few years. Yeah, yeah, I think it's worth noting too that Ronnie was our 51st winner of this award. That's correct. We we started this program back in 1970. Wow. So that, I mean, it, that's pretty remarkable. It's, it's the award is the legacy of it's kind of growing and honoring cotton growers and others for a long time. It is. It has really become sort of a special group of individuals. The thing I've always appreciated about this program is in all the years uh, we've been able to to have recognition ceremonies or recognition luncheons uh, for the winners. We usually have past winners there as well to, uh, to kind of welcome the person into this, uh, into this group. And uh, Chuck Coley, who was our 2012 Cotton Achievement Award winner, uh, is from there in the South Georgia area and also a good friend of Ronnie's and was scheduled to join us. But, you know, gosh, when you've got good weather and, and, and things going on and 
uh, he's trying to get his, a gin up and running and, and ready to go. Well, things getting get in the way. So we, we hated that we didn't get to see Chuck uh, last week. But as I understand, he did call Ronnie to, uh, to express his, his regrets and, uh, you know, and, and wish him well on that. So that's, uh, that's just part of the, the nature of that group. Absolutely. Absolutely. And well, congratulations to Ronnie. Well deserved. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're the more coverage, we'll have more coverage and photos from, uh, from this event in a special insert that will be, uh, that will be coming in the December issue of Cotton Grower. One of the things we always like to do whenever we host events like this is to provide some insight and some analysis on the current mark, cotton market for our audience. And as I mentioned earlier, Dr. Don Shirley, who's Professor Emeritus of Cotton Economics, University of Georgia, graciously joined us for the luncheon, shared his perspective on the cotton market, including the highs and the potential watchouts that growers and the rest of the industry need to be watching for as we wrap up 2021 and look toward 2022. And we recorded Don's presentation and with his permission, we wanna share that with you now. There's certain points that uh, I'd like to make. Some of y'all in this in this audience uh, know these numbers as well as I do, because you keep track of things and um, are are knowledgeable about what's going on in the world of cotton. So it's kind of tough to go through all the numbers, but I think the numbers help us explain or try to decipher where we are and why, and kind of where we might uh, go forward from here. I want to go back to the 2019 crop year because I really feel like this is where it started. This is pre-COVID. If we look at USDA's first forecast for world demand for the 2019 crop, it was two crop years ago. That crop year would run from August 1 at 19 through the following end of July 2020. So if we look at that crop year, the 2019 crop year, USDA's first forecast for world demand for cotton was 126 million bales. If that had been realized, it would have been a new record, a record usage of cotton worldwide. This was for the 19 crop, the two crop years ago. The actual use, the actual world use for cotton in the 19 crop year ended up to be just shy of 103 million bales. That was 18% lower than what USDA first projected. And it was 15% below the previous crop year in 18. So I want you to, you say, well, Don, why are we going through numbers? Because I want you to see, I want you to have a feel for the magnitude by which COVID has, has impacted the cotton market. So we went from a projected 126 million bale crop usage-wise down to only 103. So that's, that was the magnitude for which COVID impacted cotton. Now, 
Let's come a little more forward. The move up in prices that we've seen lately, I think without, without a doubt, is fueled by optimism and demand. Remember your backdrop here. We dropped from a potential 126 million bale demand down to 103. This strength in prices that we've seen, particularly this year, is fueled by optimism that that demand will come back, that demand will grow. For the 2020 crop year, last year, world demand grew 17%. So we made a large comeback. Currently, if you look at USDA's most recent numbers, world demand for cotton is expected to increase another 3% this year. But this still doesn't show the bigger picture, and this is another point that I want to make, and I apologize for following the script here, but I want to make sure that I get these points in. The projected use for the 21 crop year, the crop we're getting in right now, if it's realized, would still be two and a half million bales less than what USDA projected two years ago for the 19 crop. You say, well, Don, what are you saying? I'm saying even with 17% growth last year and another 3% in growth in use or demand this year, and all, that's, all that is a bounce back from that COVID impact, we're still two and a half million bales less than USDA's projection, which would have been a world record use two years ago. What I'm saying is, I think that 126 million bale estimate that USDA put out there two years ago, I think the market's looking at that. And y'all may disagree. But I think the market looks as that as a target. Okay, we had a big impact from COVID down. Now we're starting to go back. Where can we go? How far can demand grow? Demand has really come back. How far can it go? And, and even with the improvements we had last year and the improvements that we expect to see this year, Sammy, we're still two and a half million bales below what was projected two years ago. So if I'm in the market and I'm seeing this demand growth, we've got this target of another two and a half million bales out there. That is, that is potential. So what I'm suggesting to you is that there's room for further growth. Will it be realized? Who knows? But the trends are good, and we've got another two and a half million bales potential growth out there the way I see it. And that's, that's for the reason for the optimism. Now, as any good economist would do, and you can, you can argue the word good all you want, there are a couple of caution flags. So I have to throw those out there. 
USDA's October numbers that came out last week were a tick down. The use was down 740,000 bales from the September estimate. So the use was adjusted down just a bit for this crop year. This, that's the first time for the 21 crop year that the monthly estimate has not been higher than the previous month. So, so you know, some people are suggesting that that's a signal that demand might be weakening a little bit. Who knows? We hope not. But that's, that's a caution flag that we'll put out there. The optimism for the demand growth that we've seen needs to be validated by strong weekly export sales. Those numbers are looked at every week. Okay, remember, there's all this optimism out there about the growing and improving post-COVID world use of cotton. When those weekly export numbers come out, that is one way to validate are we headed in that optimistic direction or not. China is expected to be a big buyer, and so far it has been. Um, USDA's October estimates increased China's imports, what they're expected to have shipped in by half a million bales. So far, our sales to China total 2.18 million bales. That's 27% of our total export sales so far. And a market share of 21% of what we expect China to import in total. The total sales to all destinations right now, China and everybody else, totals 8.1 million bales. Now that's a little less than where we were last year this time. But I don't see any reason for alarm there because if, if the shipments are on that same pace, then that still will allow us to reach USDA's projection of where our exports should be this year. The October uh, USDA numbers also reduced the size of the U.S. crop by half a million bales and that crop could even get a little bit smaller. There are also questions about the China crop and the India crop. The USDA's estimates this month cut the India crop by half a million bales. So we're starting to see a little bit of a trim down there, but it left the China numbers uh, unchanged. So the smaller U.S. crop the potential for a little smaller than expected crop in India and China perhaps uh, in the future has added some support to price in addition to the demand side. All right, let me, let me focus on kind of bringing this all down to, to what it means to the farmer. December 21 futures, that's this year's crop, was almost $1.08 yesterday. The new crop December 22 futures, next year's crop, 
was it just under 91? Where does price go from here? Could it go higher? Absolutely. I can build you a scenario for that. Could prices go lower? Could prices weaken? Yeah. I can build a scenario for that too. Nobody knows where this is headed, and I'm not going to stand up here and pretend that I know where it's headed. I can present the factors to you and give you some things to think about. But going forward, the factors that are going to come into play and where price goes are obviously supply and demand. Those weekly export numbers, as I mentioned, Ronnie, do those weekly export numbers validate the optimism that's trying to play out? The grain and soybean markets. Sometimes commodities all move, all track together. Strength in the grain and soybean markets can pull prices up for cotton as well. And of course, the value of the dollar comes into play. All we really know is that when cotton gets over a dollar, history shows us that it doesn't stay there long. But we're in a very unusual year. We also need to be aware of the fact that a lot of this push up in price, and if you read the media, you'll see the words mentioned and Jim and I were talking about this before lunch. What you'll read about is what's called speculative interest. A lot of this run-up, not, not entirely, but a lot of this run-up in price is due to what's called speculative interest. Now, in layman's terms, what does that mean? It means that these are people in the market that are buying and selling futures contracts that are neither buyers of the physical commodity nor are they sellers of the physical commodity. They're not producers. They don't, they don't plan, they're not selling the physical commodity, say cotton, and they're not a buyer of the commodity. They're just in there trading contracts for profit. That's the best way I know to put it. When the market has a lot of speculative interest in it, in my mind, that creates a very volatile environment. When those folks decide that they've taken enough profit if they take their profits and bail out of the market, what happens? What will happen is that and when that happens, and it may or may not happen, but when it does, when those speculative interests adjust and move and lose, leave the market, the market will settle down where true supply and demand and price discovery dictate that it goes. The good thing is, 
I think the market still has a lot of support in the 90s. So the market's not going to completely fall out of bed. But the market can be fickle when we have a lot of speculative interest. As I said, we're in a very unusual year. Growers need to be or could be thinking about adding to 2021 crop sales and even looking ahead to next year. But this is the busiest time of year for growers, especially if they have both cotton and peanuts. They're running wide open. And also, typically, harvest time is not a time of year where prices are typically high. Harvest time is not a time of year where farmers generally think about selling anything. They're focused all on getting the crop in. My fear is that once the dust settles and farmers have time to refocus on marketing, I hope that they've not missed the opportunity to get some of the higher prices for the year, like we've got right now. There's also some uncertainty about how good the crop is. And growers feel hesitant about how much more to price. Yeah, price is good, but I've already got X bales committed for delivery and contracted, how much further out on that limb do I want to crawl? I don't know what kind of crop I've got. But as every day and week goes by and the farmer gets in more and more of his or her crop, that uncertainty begins to unfold. The grower will have more certainty. Do I have 800 pound cotton or do I have 1500? And that'll aid them in knowing what their total production is likely to be and in making decisions about, about marketing the crop. Costs have increased and will likely go only higher. These high prices are needed and missing the higher prices on at least a good portion of the crop can be financially hurtful. Farmers need these high prices. And hopefully we don't miss those opportunities. The December contract for next year's crop is currently about 20 cents higher than this year's crop was at this same time last year. Cotton acreage may increase in 2022. In our neck of the woods here, obviously that depends on on corn, depends on peanut contracts and other things. But overall, nationwide across the belt, with prices where they are now, relative to corn and soybeans, we could see an increase in acreage next year. That would put some downward pressure on price. But if the rebound, remember that optimism I talked about, remember that 126 million bale target that's floating out there somewhere. 
if optimism and demand continues to be strong, then even if we have a bigger crop next year, that's still supportive of price. Some growers have already started pricing, say at 90 cents for next year. Some others have decided to turn down 90 and wait for 95. I think the opportunity at 90 cents is already presenting itself. 95 may as well, not yet, but it may. And those pricing at 90 may choose to add on to that move if it goes to 95. Um, I hope this has helped a little bit. I think the main points I wanted to try to make to y'all is that you know these are these are good prices. I've, I've had numerous growers contact me and, you know, who many of them started pricing this year's crop back when it was 80, 85, whatever. And they felt good about that decision at the time, otherwise they wouldn't have done it. But now you're looking at cotton over a dollar and they're saying, man, what can I do? There are some things that you can do, but it's not easy. It's not cheap and it's not easy and it's risky. So I hope that, you know, as we kind of look ahead, you know, we got to figure out how to market the rest of our crop that's uncommitted for this year. And um, hopefully we won't, growers won't be so busy right now that you let those opportunities slip by, but it's tough to focus on the markets this time of year. And then thinking about next year, again, a lot of growers started at 80 to 85 cents for this year's crop. So the market's already above where farmers started on some of their crop this year. So that may be an opportunity worth, um, worth taking. And that's it for this episode of the Cotton Companion Podcast. A special thanks again to Dr. Don Shirley and to our Cotton Achievement Award sponsor, NextGen, for their support. And as always, thank you, dear listeners, for joining us. If you like what you hear on the Cotton Companion, please be sure to spread the word and tell your farmer friends about this podcast. Here's where and how they can find us. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, the Cotton Grower e-news, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. The Cotton Companion Podcast comes to you twice monthly. It is produced by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues, the world headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. My name's Jim Stedman. His name's Frank Giles. And we'll be back with you in two weeks with the next episode of The Cotton Companion. Until then, 
keep those pickers rolling and stay safe. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made fun.